Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Tracy Sandler Show. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and we have an excellent episode with Kate Rooney coming right up. But at the time of recording, we had not yet spoke with Kyle Shanahan for our Monday media call and wanted to give you guys a little bit of an update on Debo Samuel. He said that Debo Samuel's shoulder is not broken, making it different, no fractures than the injury he had in October, but it's still too early in the week to tell how he'll be for Sunday. They should have a better idea on Wednesday. He's still in a lot of pain, but nothing is broken. So that is good news. Just make sure you're following me throughout the week on Twitter, X, Tracy FGSN, on Instagram at Tracy Sandler at FGSN.com for all of your updates, but wanted to give you guys that. And now the rest of the episode. With the NFL playoffs here and the NBA season in full swing, BetOnline has you covered with all the -the up-to-the-second odds, news, and scores. With additional odds, lines, trends, and info on both desktop and mobile, you can access the world's best wagering information anytime. Head there today to get into the action and see all the updated odds. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Hello and welcome to the Tracy Sandler Show. You guys, I thought there was a good chance on Saturday that this Tracy Sandler Show was going to be wrapping up the season. But the San Francisco 49ers, led by Brock Purdy on that final drive, Pulled ahead of the Packers, Dre Greenlaw sealed it, and they lived to see another week. Here to join me and talk all about it is the fabulous and talented, beautiful, funny, and wonderful Kate Rooney, who is both an anchor and reporter for Cron 4. How are you, Kate? Well, after that intro, I'm fabulous. Man, I'm really, I'm really going to have to deliver here to live up to that. It's great to be here with you, Tracy. It, I, we're really big on intros here at the Tracy Sandler Show. You can ask Barrows and Mayo. Go, we like to really do it up. <laughs> really, really like to do up the intros because I value everybody's time and I would like people to feel good about being here. So, well, it's I true. It's a great start. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's dive in and talk about Saturday night. The 49ers play the Packers, who I have to say, I picked the 49ers to win throughout the week, but I did see a path where the Packers could win. And by the way, so did the Packers. And up until the end there, so did the 49ers. The Packers played well. They had a really good game plan, kind of similar to what they did against Dallas. And the 49ers really did not play well. At the end of the day, I do think in games like that, especially in the playoffs, the better team prevails. And it's funny, it made me think of, and this is so random, but in 2018, the 49ers played the Packers on Monday Night Football. It was Octo- I want to say it was October 16th. And if I have that date correct, giving myself a gold star. <laughs> and, it, and it was the, the 2018 49ers were not a great team. That was the year Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt three weeks into the season. He's out for the season. And the 49ers held their own with Green Bay for much of the night. And then in the final drive, Aaron Rodgers, of course, leads the Packers down the field and the Packers win. And it reminded me of that because it was one of those games where the team that's not as good, I don't want to say the lesser team because I think the Packers have a really bright future and they showed a lot of talent and poise and all of that. But the less, but I'll go with it. The lesser team can hang in, but at the end, the better team with the superior talent 
comes out on top. I think that is what we saw on Saturday night. However, now the Lions come to town and a lot of the issues we saw will not fly. But let's let's focus on Saturday for a little bit longer. I mean, Kate, really on all sides of the ball, Brock Purdy was off. The defense was not great. They have a cornerback three problem that I think has been building for quite some time. And we can talk more about that. I don't know what they're going to do about it, but because at this point, there aren't a lot of options. They have a real cornerback three problem. There were issues on special teams. They're all, everything went wrong everywhere. Blame to go around, but they figured out in the end. They did figure it out in the end, and that's what counts, and that's what history will remember, right? If this ends up being the type of game that matters in any sort of historical context. But you're right. I I really can't think of a single position group that doesn't have something to prove and doesn't have something to work on heading into this NFC Championship game, except like maybe if you can count Christian McCaffrey as a position group, although he just didn't get as many carries as I think most people expected him to. I certainly thought that they were going to run it a lot more, really try to establish that run early. So that was a little bit of a surprise for me. But um, it's going to be a much tougher task. I mean, Green Bay was playing like they had nothing to lose. They really didn't. They kind of over-delivered this season. People didn't know what to expect from Jordan Love. And I think that they're going to be able to leave that divisional round game and say, man, what a great year. We really have something we can build on now. We believe in ourselves. This is the mm-hmm. start of something great for us. Whereas for the 49ers, it would have, I mean, let's let's tell the truth here. Anything other than a Super Bowl victory is just an abject failure. And that kind of play, like you said, is certainly not going to get them a Super Bowl victory. Yeah, if they had lost on Saturday night, I don't even know what would have happened. It would have been, I mean, they might have imploded. Who knows what would have happened? <laughs> But but they didn't. But you're right. Every position group has something to prove. I like the idea of Christian McCaffrey being his own position group because he kind of is his own position group. I mean, there's nothing that man can't do. And at the end of the day, he all he delivers and he he really helps to get it done. There's one thing we haven't brought up yet, and that is of course Debo Samuel, who first left the game to be checked for a concussion. He was cleared. Then just a player or two later leaves the game again with a shoulder injury, does not return. At the time we're recording this podcast on Monday morning, Adam Schefter is reporting that it's a 50-50 chance for him to play on Sunday. We will talk to Kyle Shanahan later today. If there's an update, I'll have given it at the beginning of this podcast. But my guess is we probably won't know more until the week goes on. However, that is a huge loss for San Francisco. And I take everybody back to the game in Cleveland where he got hurt. He missed two games. He and Trent Williams both missed two games, but he misses two games. The 49ers lose those two games. And I would say the 49ers are going to have a very tough time beating the Lions without Debo Samuel. Yeah, I I mean, we've seen it. Debo is incredibly important to this offense. He's kind of a wheel that sets everything in motion in a lot of ways. And Brock Purdy relies on him a lot. He's an incredibly important part of Brock Purdy's game. Um, Now, that being said, I think even without Debo, they still have way more weapons on offense than your average team. But if if Brock Purdy plays like he did this week, it kind of doesn't matter because he was, you know, missing guys who were open. He, he wasn't going through his read progressions. that looked like accurately. Sometimes he was, he was trying to make a more difficult throw than he needed to when there was someone else more open on the field. So you can have really great skill players and it doesn't matter if your quarterback can't find a way to get them the ball. Um, But I do have to think that that's going to be more of an aberration. And if Debo isn't able to go, we saw Jawan Jennings really step up. We even saw Chris Conley, who's been on the practice squad for most of the year, make 
a crucial catch in the game. If he doesn't make that 17 yard catch on the final drive, I don't, I don't know if the 49ers score there. And so if they don't have Debo, Hey, just another opportunity for those two guys in particular to prove their worth on this team. And, you know, I think they can do it. I I've seen a lot from Juwan Jennings. We all have, he, he steps up when the time is right. So there's no reason to think that that wouldn't be any exception, but the amount of, um, options that you get when Debo Samuel is available. It just can't be understated. And Shanahan is able to get so much more creative with his game plan, which he's absolutely going to have to do because uh, that Lions defense, man, we saw them really get after Baker Mayfield, especially up front. And you know, they're going to be trying to do the same thing to Brock Purdy uh, with some of the kind of questions that the 49ers have on the offensive line, the center Jake Brendel guard John Feliciano didn't have great games. And and those Mm -hmm. two guys in particular are really going to have to step it up. I want to go back to something you said a little bit earlier about Brock that I think is, is worth mentioning and something we see with Brock and you said how he didn't seem to read his progressions as well, which is one of the things he's so good at. So when he doesn't do it as well, it's glaring. Because it's one of the things that I'm going to throw out a word here that everybody's going to get really upset about. But it's actually one of the things he is quite elite at. It's one of the things that I've said before, when you, if I were to go through the transcripts of this year, and maybe I will do that, when I go through the transcripts (laughs) of the year, the amount of times after a game that Kyle, George Kittle, Brock, Brandon Ayuk, someone has said, on, on a, any touchdown that wasn't his first, second, or third read, it's incredible. And so when he's not able to do that, it is a glaring issue. And something we have seen a little bit from Brock, and we've seen it against Baltimore, and this I don't think is a long-term Brock pretty issue, but I think this is a young quarterback issue. And sometimes we forget Brock has really only played just over a full season of football. So he is still a very young quarterback in this league, even though he carries himself like a veteran, he plays like a veteran, he seems like a veteran, still a very young quarterback in this league. And when things are starting to go south, he has a tendency to press. And we saw it in Minneapolis with a couple of those interceptions. We saw it against the Bengals with a red zone interception. And of course, we saw it quite a bit in Baltimore. It was something we started to see a little bit the other night. He got it in check. It didn't lead to any major mistakes, but it's something to keep an eye on because that is when teams tend to get in trouble. That's what we saw with Jordan Love on that final interception to Dre Greenlaw. He He didn't need to make that throw, but you know, he was trying to press it and make the big play. So I just think it's something to to keep an eye on. Well, and again, that's just why the offensive line is going to be so important because on, on Saturday, Brock had a muddy pocket for a huge chunk mm-hmm. of the night. There were very few plays on which he was able to step out of the pocket, have time and, and have a clean area to throw. And, you know, that's going to rattle anyone, but to your point, especially a young quarterback. So that's why I think it's, you know, extra important for the offensive line to get it together and make sure that they're, they're giving him the time and protection that he needs to go through his progressions as we've seen him do so well, so many times. You know, where I really thought they were going to lose the game was when green Bay ran back the 73 yard return, which was incredible self. Then he, the guy fumbles it and green Bay, oh. Keyshawn Nixon, Nixon, and then green Bay recovers it. And I was like, green Bay is going to win this game. Cause it was one of those things that was like, this just isn't their day. You know, like it would have been such yeah. a huge break. I was like, this just is not the Fort Anders day. That didn't end up happening. But we saw, since we're going to go through every facet of this team that needs to do better, there was that issue on special teams. There was, of course, the Jake Moody blocked field goal. Now, then Jake Moody comes up in the end with that 52-yard field goal, which 
gave the momentum to start the fourth quarter. And I don't know, without that field goal, obviously they don't win because they need the points, but also I think it changed things a little bit. Uh, and that field goal would have been good from like 65 yards. That was a quite a kick. But everyone needs to get better. Like absolutely everyone. It was also generally in the NFL, a very tough weekend for kickers. Like, I don't think I've seen so many playoff games, which I would actually argue Jake had the best day of everybody because he made his extra points (laughs) and he made the 52-yard field goal. And so at the end of the day, the blocked one didn't matter. But because Anders, Carl's, uh, Anders Carl's, do I have that right? Anders Anders Carlson. I don't know. I was like, Carl's doesn't sound right, but for some reason... I can't remember. Andrews Carlson's a great name, by the way. Totally in a strong, strong name. Good, it's a very good, strong good name. name. Kicker. Perhaps not as strong a kicker, but also a rookie kicker. We'll see how that goes. He obviously had a rough night. The Buffalo kicker, I just feel for oh, that just breaks that my so heart. Uh, that position, this is an aside, but why does anyone want to be a kicker? It is such, it's so rough. Oh, I don't it's know. Just I mean, it must be the best feeling in the world when you nail the game-winning kick, and it's just got to be the worst feeling in the world when you 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 miss it because it you know we all know really we know that it never comes down to one play, it never comes down to one kick. It's about everything that happened during the game that leads up to that point. But man, the pressure! Those guys have got to have a constitution that is unlike anything else. When I was talking to Tabor Pepper, the 49ers long snapper, earlier in the season, and he said that he originally wanted to play quarterback. And then he decided that he didn't want to go that route because of the pressure. And he found it very ironic that he ended up becoming a specialist because the pressure is just so much. Most of the time people don't even notice you're there, but But when (laughs) when they do, something goes wrong. If you're the long snapper and people notice you're there, something went wrong. Something's terribly wrong. Yeah. So, you know, like you said, I, I really thought that there was a strong chance heading into Saturday that, this game was going to come down to special teams, was going to come down to the kickers. Um, and beca- precisely because of the fact that there are two rookie kickers. And while Jake Moody has mostly been excellent this season, he's definitely had his rocky moments. Anders Carlson has, I think, been quite a bit more rocky than Jake Moody. I mean, the, the broadcast season. said that Mike, Matt LaFleur told them that whenever he goes out there, he just prays. Oh, that is Kyle Shanahan is definitely never saying that about Jake Moody. <laughs> no, in fact, Kyle <laughs> Shanahan said the opposite. And boy, poor Carlson, that's not what you want to hear from your head coach. No, um, definitely not. So he's got to do some soul searching during the offseason, I think. But um, yeah, uh, just circling all the way back, I, that was a huge kick for for Moody to make. And, and you have to think that it probably gave him some confidence, too, that he can get whatever needs to get done in this next game done. Um, and... I think, you know, most people are kind of hoping it doesn't come down to special teams again. <laughs> um, but but anything could. Anything could happen. Because you're well, going up against a Detroit Lions squad that, that you know, the, the Packers didn't have any pro bowlers, no all pros this year. Can't no. say the same thing about the Lions. And, on, you know, on Jake Moody, the one thing that I've noticed, and I, I didn't notice this in college because the last few years in college, he just never missed anything ever. I mean, it was like an un, it was an unbelievable feat. Uh, there, they called him, you know, he was Money Moody. Jim Harbaugh called him a legend because he literally never missed those last few years. But what we have seen this year, and I think with Jake Moody, it's a couple things. One, because if he was drafted in the fifth round, people would think Jake Moody is having an unbelievable season. And he is having an unbelievable season. He missed the bad kick in Cleveland. He missed one in Minneapolis and he had the blocked kick. But other than that, that's what he's, I mean, he's real. And he had missed the one in the Rams game, you know, which didn't matter. But he's really having a fantastic season. He's missed one extra point the entire season. I mean, these are, these are incredible feats. I think, unfortunately, because he was picked in the third round, which 
was of course not his choice, but because he was taken in the third round, there's so much more of a microscope and pressure. But one thing I have noticed this season, when he does miss, they come in like little clusters and then he's fine. And so I think for 49ers fans, that should give good, some confidence. He missed an extra point in the final Rams game. He missed a field goal and he had the block one. And then he made the 52-yarder and he made all his extra points. And so now he should be fine. They just seem to come in these... That was a cluster. (laughs) And that seems to... Because in Cleveland, he missed the field goal. And then in Minneapolis, I think he missed another field goal and maybe maybe even two and then hit like a really like a 55-yarder. So, and then he was fine. So I just think that seems to be kind of how it goes. But I also think, and of course, this is just what it is because he was picked in the third round, everything gets amplified, which again was not his fault. He didn't pick himself. But um, I mean, I thought he should be picked where he was and I stand by that. I will stand by <laughs> that for years to come. Tracy, you thought he should have been picked higher. I mean, listen, you got a guy who never missed in college. You got money. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. I mean, that guy was not the right. number one pick in the draft is beyond me, but that's fine. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, didn't. That sort of, you know, philosophy doesn't just extend to kickers. You look at, just to think of a couple of 49ers who I think maybe had unfair expectations placed on them because of their draft position, Mike McGlinchey, Solomon Thomas over the last yes. couple seasons. Those are two guys who have, they they were good, maybe not great, but they, look at them. They're both in the NFL still and both, you know, performing at a, at a reasonable level. But because they were first round picks, people expected them to be, automatic all pros and it just yes. it doesn't always work that way and and yeah certainly when you draft a kicker in the third round there was a lot of shock when that happened and um you know they they pretty much said that they did it a because of the way he played in college and b because he's got a big leg you know they yeah. they wanted him to be able to kick those 50 plus yarders with a little more certainty than uh they, they got from Robbie Gold as good as he was and um he I think he has shown that this season yeah he definitely is and it and A few picks later, Dallas took a kicker. So he wasn't going to be there. They wanted him. That's when they had to take him because it was kind of a, it was a year where a lot of teams, you know, needed kickers and there were not a lot of great ones in the market. So there's that. You guys don't have to worry. He will be fine. The clusters are (laughs) over. And then he makes the 52 yarder. And that's just, and again, that is why they drafted him. And I had no doubt in my mind he would make the 52 yarder. So there's that, if that makes anyone feel better. I have a thousand percent confidence in Jake Moody and you guys should too. So there you go. All right, let's talk defense. Uh, Mm. Dre Greenlaw had a hell of a game. Those two interceptions, clutch. Should he have got down there at the end? Absolutely. Does he know that? Yes. Did he care? (laughs) Doesn't sound like it. (laughs) But we love it anyway. Uh, He has has those two interceptions. So there's a couple of things on defense to talk about. First of all, the run game and I or the run defense. And I bring it up because They gave up, Aaron Jones was the first 100 plus yards rusher, but they gave up, you know, a fair amount of yards in the run game. And it's been an issue pretty much since Arizona. And I think in Arizona, we pointed to, well, they didn't have Eric Armstead and what a difference that made. And I actually think in that game, they may have also not had Dre Greenlaw. And it's like all, but it's like now all kind of bundling together as we go longer and longer into the season. (laughs) But there was, you know, that was, that was an issue. They get Eric Armstead back. They don't have Cleveland Farrell and they won't have him the rest of the season. And that, that is a big loss for the run defense because he was very strong there. But you have Gibbs coming in and this has now been an issue for the 49ers the last several weeks. And they're going to need to contain the run game. Much interestingly with the Packers game, 
I had said this in my game preview that I do from the field. I said, it's going to come down to the run on both sides of the ball. Both teams got to establish it and both teams have to defend it because yeah. it's, it's important. That's going to be similar to this week. And so when you look at this run defense, kind of what concerns you about the other night and, and what do they got to do to fix it? It is going to be similar because, uh, you know, the, the Lions are, they have been good against the run. They have some really tough guys up front there. But as far as the 49ers go, you know, Eric Armstead and Javon Hardgrave really were putting in work on Saturday night. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I think you already mentioned Cleland Farrell being out. And I think that that is a, a, huge. a much bigger concern because Chase Young, man, you know, he really had a chance to go out there and get his bag and, you know, show that he deserves to get paid in the way that People expected mm-hmm. him to be paid in his career, and he absolutely did not do that. He really struggled to set the edge. Didn't he do it really much all did. night at all. I, I don't remember and seeing him set an edge once. I, neither do I. Um, you know, I'd have okay, to look so back, go back and see if it happened. <laughs> but maybe, maybe it happened and we missed it. You know, there's always other things to a look at. A few of but- our colleagues tweeted as well. I haven't seen Chase Young set an edge all night, so I'm going to give all of us okay. the benefit of the doubt that we we're can, right. I think we can go with that. And I fully, you know, expect Bosa to be double and triple teamed again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is going to be an absolutely crucial element. Armstead, you know, we, we talked a lot about how much of what happened on Saturday night was um, a matter of rust and the 49ers mm-hmm. having all that time off with the first round bye. You know, in Armstead's case, as good as he is, as much of a stalwart as he's been on this defense for so long now. I do think that perhaps there was a small amount of rest there because he missed those last five games of the regular season and really wasn't able to practice full speed during that time either. It was it was only, you know, these last couple of weeks here that he came back and was able to practice. So um, I would expect him to be even more dominant in that way. But man, you could see him and Hargrave were really exhausted. Um, yeah after Saturday night. And so that to me is probably the biggest matchup of the evening because man, that Lions offensive line, I mean, they have two all pros, second team, all pros Mm -hmm. on their offensive line, Penny Sewell and, and, or is Penny Sewell first team all pro? I think he might've been. I think he was a first team all pro. Yeah. At right tackle. And then their center, um, Ragnow. I'm looking up Sewell first team. I'm looking up Sewell first team All Pro just so I can have our correct. Keep talking while I. But Justin if you hear me Rowe, typing, yeah. that's what so, I'm doing. I mean that that is absolutely huge. Yep, first for, team All Pro. There, there you go. So, I mean that that could be the game right there. And Jameer Gibbs, you know, he's no Christian McCaffrey, but he's kind of speedy and crafty, and and mm-hmm. he's been able to get out there and get some yards. And so, man, they sure they sure got to have a lot of gap integrity. Um, and more, you know, than they did on Saturday night. They're going to have to have more in the NFC Championship. Um, and then I, I was another, oh, sorry, surprised go ahead. to see Aaron Jones get another 100-yard game. I, I really thought that they were going to come out there and, and try to take that element of Packers game away. But I think they did try. They just, they, <laughs> yeah, they, they were not able to. Uh, and I think one of the things that you also mentioned was how exhausted they were. And this comes, and then this comes down to penalties. And this is something that you had tweeted and they had opportunities. And this has been another 49ers problem for, mm. this happens to them at times. It happens to a lot of teams, but I, it jumps out to me with them is that they have a lot of third and longs where they can't get off the field. The offense is in a third long position and they can't get off the field. And it's usually because of a penalty. And 
there were those two, you know, DPIs on Ambry Thomas on third and long, one on third and eight, one on third and 15. And then right after that penalty, of course, the Packers score a touchdown. And it's a problem because it's actually been an Ambry Thomas problem the last few weeks. They weren't quite as glaring, but it happened a few weeks ago. He also till they got beat on a touchdown in Washington. And his team has been looking for its CB3. And I don't think it has its long-term CB3. They've kind of pieced it together and it's been makeshift. And unfortunately, Isaiah Oliver did not pan out the way they hoped he would. So they've been able to bring Thomas in on you know these nickel packages and put him on the outside, but he's targeted. And he's going to be targeted because he's very much the weak link in that secondary. And... I don't know that that's going to change or get better. Uh, we'll see. But, you know, that's something also to keep an eye on. But I do, I want to make a very positive note about someone in the secondary and that Diamondor Lenore had a tremendous game the other night and just continues to have a tremendous season. I mean, he's got to be one of the most underrated corners in the league. No doubt. He was excellent. He's been so consistent, pretty much the opposite of Ambry Thomas. I mean, Ambry Thomas has had moments in his career dating back to his rookie season where Mm -hmm. he made big plays and then other moments where he made plays that almost cost the 49ers the game. Timo Lenore has not been like that at all. I mean, he's really been a guy who you can rely on. And I think you've seen that in the second half of the season. Mm -hmm. Opposing offenses are not going after him as much as they did. Um, Charverius Ward, you know, I think was, was really good too. Um, no surprise there. The 49ers red zone defense was kind of what saved them because the, I mean, obviously you want your defense to uh, set the tone much earlier in a drive, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. they did get some big stops even at the beginning of the game. Unfortunately, the offense wasn't able to convert on that. But, I mean, they, Ward had a huge third-down stop on Green Bay's first possession. They basically held them to that field goal. Then on Green Bay's second possession, they had that huge fourth-down stop. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's crucial, and and they need to keep that up. But that's, again, why it's going to be so important to get some pressure on um, Jared Goff because he will know that he has the opportunity to cut up that secondary, especially – Ambry Thomas at the cornerback position there. So, you know, you're right. What did they do about it? I, I don't think there's anything that they can do other than maybe try to disguise some coverages and make some, um, you know, maybe Steve Wilkes will throw in some creative packages out there, but that's kind of not really the way he coaches. So no. I, I'm not going to expect to see that too much, but um, you just have to hope that Lenore and Ward keep it up. If you're a 49ers fan, the way they have been playing so far and, and, you know, maybe not as much will come down to Thomas, but it's going to be tough. It's definitely going to be tough. This is going to be definitely a much tougher game for San Francisco. I expect that everybody will play better than they did on Saturday. It's funny when we talk about the rest, though, because I look at the Ravens. I'm like, they had all that time off and they did not look at all (laughs) just fine. (laughs) But, you know. Different teams, different situations, but I think that obviously everyone will, well, maybe not obviously, but in theory, everyone will play better. The weather will be better, and that can sometimes be a factor, though my feeling on that always is both teams have to play in the same weather, so it's not as if one of them has to deal with it and one does not. It's Uh, funny, during the week when we were talking to the 49ers in the locker room, they they all seemed to just brush off the idea that the rain would would impact the game. You still got to get out there and play no matter what the conditions are. But yet, they seem to be the only team on the field that was impacted by the rain, and Brock Purdy even pretty much admitted that he was. I mean, yeah. he still he said he was still figuring out 
what to do in terms of wearing glove and not wearing glove uh, at the start of the game. So there were there was some shuffling around there, and he didn't quite get it figured out. And then you know, if Deshaun Gibson doesn't doesn't slip on the grass there, maybe right. they don't give up that touchdown. Who knows? But so maybe some cleat issues. But fortunately, sounds like it's going to be dry and maybe even kind of warm um, for the NFC Championship game. Yeah, it was interesting that the home team was the one slipping all over the home team's field. Right. The Packers you, didn't you seem to have any problem with that whatsoever. So that is that is kind of funny. But like we said, that doesn't look like it'll be an issue on Sunday. So we shall see, Kate. It's so early in the week that we're recording this. Is it too early to give a prediction? <laughs> um no, it's never too early to give a prediction, right? We might be we might have to amend these predictions later in the week based on if we get a clear picture of what's going on with Debo Samuel. Um, but I still think that the 49ers are going to pull this one out. I this team is gonna be angry at the way they played on Saturday. Uh they're happy that they won, but they don't like anything else about what went on against the Packers and um I just don't expect them to let that happen again. I pretty much felt from the moment they beat the Packers that either opponent, whether it would be the Lions or the Buccaneers, was going to be a fine matchup for the 49ers. Um, yeah, it, it'll it'll be tough. you got to play hard. You always do in the NFL. But the locker room culture and the belief in, in the team and the uh, willingness to make sacrifices for your teammates is so strong in this group. I expect them to put that more on display than they did this past week. And so that's a long-winded way of saying that I am still going to pick the 49ers to win. And I think it may be a close game at, at some points, but I think that they will pull away. So I'm going to go ahead and let's give you a score of uh, 31 to 21. How's that? What's that's yours? great. And this probably isn't fair because I'm not going to do a full prediction yet. <laughs> but okay. I, I'm going to have to listen later in the week and hear your next prediction. But I, I have a few. I think what you, everything you said about the team in the locker room is a hundred percent true. The caveat there is that that's also very true of this Lions team. It's a very similar culture. It's a very similar mindset, and they have that as well. And a lot so of emotions think, for them. I mean, a lot of emotions for them. A lot they of want to get back to that. We, you know, well, we're all for each other. For the first time. <laughs> yep. And we're all yeah. for each other and a lot of, you know, um, support for Jared Goff and they've, they've been through it and they've built this team. You know, a lot of these guys have been on this team the last two, three seasons and built this culture together and believe in their coach. So I think it, it's an interesting matchup in that way, because I think all those things that make the 49ers special make the Lions special as well. And I do think it is going to be a very close game. I'm not quite. I don't have a sense yet. It's funny. Usually on Monday, I have a sense. I don't quite have a sense yet. So I have to think about it a little bit more. But stay tuned, guys, throughout the week. All right. What a a tease, Tracy. That's an incredible cliffhanger. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's not my first rodeo. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Kate, please tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, you can find... uh, me on Reading Gold Zone. That's the 49er show that I host on Saturday nights to preview the game. It airs throughout California and in Honolulu, if you happen to be watching Ooh. from the island. Um, and Let's on go Con- to Honolulu and watch your show. I think this yeah. sounds like a great idea. I think you should. Everybody should. Um, also on throughout the week on Crom4 News and Crom4.com and then at the Kate Rooney on social media. Fantastic, you guys. We are brought to you by Bet Online. You can find me on Twitter X at TracyFGSN on Instagram at Tracy Sandler. 
Uh, If you guys like what you heard, and I know you did, please make sure to give us a five-star rating and a super positive review. And I'll talk to you throughout the week as I give my predictions. Bye, all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.